Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. Nine volumes available at Amazon in paperback and ebook format. And volumes one through eight are available at Audible in audio format for your listening pleasure. Please go out and buy a copy or two. You know, Christmas is coming and they make excellent stocking stuffers. So go out and make this man a little happier this season. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host of this fine podcast, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Okay, Kev, I was out today doing a little bit of the Christmas decor. Nice. Uh, I put up a little wreath on the front door. I decorated a couple of bushes out front that are kind of shaped like big gumdrops. And uh, how about the 18 foot Krampus? <laughs> Not happening on my house. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I don't live closer by. You might just show up. <laughs> I have about a thousand rounds of shotgun shells. <laughs> I don't think Krampus would be welcome here. <laughs> you might come home for work and he could be in the yard. <laughs> Thousand rounds. Maybe a giant inflatable Krampus. <laughs> Thousand rounds, front or backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and the listeners will be happy to know that I have completed recording volume nine, so we're in the next stage. And uh, I just completed another chapter of volume 10. Uh, in the written format. So I'm working again, and uh, ever forward we move. Uh-huh. What do you think of that, Kev? <laughs> Very cool. And and these books, Bill, they, I mean, I've never actually held one in my hand, especially an autograph copy. That's true. They're not easy to come by. But they do fit inside of a stocking, you were saying, huh? Uh, they do. A, a, a Bigfoot stocking of course <laughs> by the way bill i got that uh mug that you sent me wow that was fast that our beat reporter uh rick sent down from ohio rick that is a spectacular travel mug yeah yeah i told you you'd like it man yeah spectacular and you can see i was not lying when i said the box fit the Tumbler perfectly. I know, I know, sure. It probably took you a long time to find a box that you couldn't fit a book in. <laughs> you know something? Just so people understand what we're up against. So I take the prize book in what I, I ship them out in like these big cardboard envelopes. The uh, winner of the prize, I put the book in, autograph book. Uh, and a tumbler, Kev. And I go down to the UPS store. Now, to ship that little tumbler out was like $13 and change, mm. uh, which I was like, look, I'm here. I don't have much time. I'll do it. Then he prices up the book in the envelope $22. How could that be? Exactly. And I said to him, what the? And he says, well, it has to go a little further. I said, give me that envelope. <laughs> I went over to the post office the next day. Yeah. It was like three forty or something yeah. to ship it out. Yeah. Twenty two dollars. What crazy. highway robbery. Yeah. Uh I probably should have just took both items, 
down to the post office. I probably could have shipped that little box for, you know, I don't know, six or seven bucks. But I'm happy it got here. Yeah, no, it's a neat thing. And thanks again to Rick and his daughter, who actually created that. Oh, very cool. And folks, it's like a, a big travel mug, hot or cold, and it has a silhouette of a beautiful tall pine tree and a silhouette of the hairy man himself walking along. It is spectacular. Yeah, she really did a uh, fine job uh, in the creation. It's simple, but very, very beautiful. Yeah. And uh, thanks again, Rick, and thanks to your daughter. Awesome stuff. Yeah, no, really good. So, yeah, I had a day today. I was writing in the book, and I said, I'm going to get something done today. It's my day off. Uh, And it's never really a day off, you know, especially me now with Paula having gone on to her heavenly reward. I'm like uh, cooking and uh, cleaning and doing laundry and uh, yard work. And, I mean, you name it, I'm chief cook and bottle washer now. Yeah, you're like me, Bill. Yeah. (laughs) Going on and on and on and on and on. But, uh I just keep going, man. One foot in front of the other. Just keep moving. Now that's awesome. So what do we have today, brother, in our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment? I came across a really cool article from a newspaper called the Goulburn Evening Penny. That was from 1893. Well, say the name again. Goulburn Evening Penny Post. <laughs> Are we talking ghoul as in ghoulish? It's G-O-U-L-B-U-R-N. And if you haven't heard of it, it's because it's from Australia. Ah. <laughs> the famous Goulburn Penny Press or whatever. <laughs> hey, well, it looks like it went out. It was in print from 1881 to 1940. Okay, good long run. This one is from 129 years ago of uh, Saturday, the 28th of October, 1893. Wow, fantastic, man. Very cool stuff. And so what's written in the uh, Goulburn Penny Press? Well, this gentleman, Mr. Arthur Marin, and I'm going to put a picture of him and his family up on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Under episode 176, check it out. There's a great black and white picture of him. Mm-hmm. He was cruising along, and I'll read from the article in a minute. But he came across this tall, hairy creature. Hmm, amazing. Maybe an early yowie of <laughs> sorts <laughs> down in Australia. Of course he was lying, but what did he have to say? Exactly. So the name of the article is... An Awkward Encounter. Hmm. Mr. Arthur Marin, a cordial manufacturer, which I had to look that up, Bill. Like, you know, I've heard of cordials, right? The little drinks. But right. I thought, surely this is something else. But it's not. It's actually like flavored syrups. And uh, they would mix them with drinks, but they said they also mixed them with water because the water tasted terrible at times. So they would put, you know, a little bit of this uh, mixture in to make the water taste a little bit better. That makes sense to me, right? It you does, work with yeah. what you got, you I know? I just didn't know. But So Mr. Arthur Marin, who was a cordial manufacturer, met with a rather awkward reception as he was going to Captain's Flat on Friday last with a load of cordials. Hmm. Shortly after getting upon the turnoff road from the Kuma Road, Within two or three miles of the flat township, he noticed his dog running up out of the bush at full tear and clear off down the road in a terrible scare. Wow. He got down to see what had frightened his dog when a formidable animal with which he was entirely unacquainted jumped up the lower bank on the road. It frightened him quite as much as it did the dog, as it was standing up on its two hind legs with its two forelegs stretched out like the two arms of a man. Wow. Right. The road being a cutting on a hillside was narrow, and the animal was making for him, either to follow the dog or to spring upon himself. 
Wow. Being unarmed, having only the whip in his hand, which would have made a very little impression upon such an antagonist, he dropped the whip and picked up a stone which lay close to him, which he threw at the beast, striking it on the temple, bringing it to the ground. Wow. I know. He then ran up to it and finished it with the butt end of the whip. Holy cow. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, you know, this is old English, right? So if it sounds funny, it's from a long time ago. Yeah. And he says, after he killed it, he left it on the road and on his return to Braidwood, put its body in the cart and brought it home with him. Holy mackerel. Yeah. We paid a visit to Mr. Marin's factory on Saturday and inspected the beast. He said, now, Kev, Kev, who was we? The, the, the person reporter, pe- the newspaper. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. It says its forearms were very strong with great paws that were capable of giving a terrible grip. It was a tan color like a possum with strong hair on its skin. Oh. When Mr. Marin encountered it, it stood between six or seven feet high. And they say some people think it is identical with a beast which has frightened several teamsters traveling through Parker's Gap on the Corona Road at various times. So much so that they have left their horses and run away. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Such an animal has been reported as visiting selectors' places at Malonglo and Foxlow. And there have been reports of the presence of similar ones in the Budawang and Sassafras Ranges. It has gone by the name of the Hairy Man. Here we go. I know. And they go on and on about this. But, I mean, unbelievable article, right, Bill? I, I mean, again, Kev, we have to fall back to the same stance we've taken so many times before that in those days and times, you're not reading the National Enquirer. Right. Uh, which, by the way, did tell the truth frequently. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these people had a reputation of sorts. And uh, the fact that they went to visit. The guy's a set, reputable businessman. Yeah. And set eyes on this thing. Yeah. Wow, six or seven feet tall. I mean, that's that's a good-sized critter. Yeah. And it's almost like that old David and Goliath story again, right? He nails this thing in the perfect spot with, with a, rock. a rock. Yeah. Uh, taking it down and then finishing it off, beating it over the head or whatever. I know, the- it's amazing. Wow. I couldn't wow. believe it when I came across this story. And, um, you know, it's actually a little hard to read because it's yeah. in an electronic version of the original print. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Well, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, what was the exact region again of Australia? Oh, it's, uh, I think it's in a greater area of New South Wales. Okay. As I remember reading it. So kind of the east side of the country okay, in the state of New South Wales. But they okay. talk about it very specifically in these uh, little towns, the Kuma Road heading towards Flat Township. Yeah, yeah. And you wonder if some of these places are even, you know, we got a listener to our podcast, Rod, out there in Australia. Hey, Rod, maybe you could chime in with us a bit, mate. <laughs> Bring us up to speed. Yeah, that's a good idea. If you know about this Arthur Marin, Harry Man story, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, or any other, oh yeah, stories. And my apologies to Rod because he he's gone back and forth with me a little bit, Kev. There ain't enough hours in the day for me to accomplish everything that's asked Oh, yeah, well, it's like a 14-hour time difference, I think, over to New South Wales. Yeah, it's just very tricky for me, especially now with 
everything going on. I mean, it's just, uh, Rod, my apologies, but maybe someday, my friend. Rod, don't feel badly. It's hard for me to get him on the phone, and we're in the same time zone. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you'll get an autographed copy of his book out of it, though. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy, oh, boy. That is absolutely a breathtaking Account now. What was the outcome? Did they continue it at all, or it just kind of ended? It just kind of ended. So, uh, you know, but the newspaper did come out and see the body, and it was interesting because I guess he couldn't pick it up because remember he was leaving town with a, a cartload, a horse cartload of cordials. So mm-hmm. he was delivering. Yeah, you know, I'm sure there were these glass bottles mm-hmm. that filled up his cart, and he went and delivered them, and then he brought it home. Yeah. See, and this is another uh, account, Kev, that the naysayer would say, where's the body? Well, yeah, he Uh, had the body. Exactly. But, you know, like they would say, what happened to it? How come we can't, you know? But again, I've said it before many times. I love these olden historic encounters that are written about in the paper because these people, they had much more to lose than to gain. They That's weren't right. trying to get as many hits as they could on their YouTube channel in right. order to monetize advertising and stuff like that. The, the guy's just reporting what happened. Right. Now, had a very minimalistic audience in the area, I am sure. Sure. And, of course, had no idea that 120 years later, uh, K.J. Sheehan was going to pick it up <laughs> in electronic <laughs> format on an Apple computer. <laughs> And we'd be talking about it on a podcast. I know. I mean, that is amazing when you look at, the, you know, the irony of the situation. Yeah. Moving forward in time, you know, they had no idea. No. Let's face it. We had no idea in the 60s and 70s of, of this. Oh, this no doubt about thing. it, Bill. There was, there was no doubt. In, there was every doubt in our mind that anything like this would ever happen. Yeah. And uh, here we are with headphones on, microphones, talking on Skype. Yeah, I mean, uh, folks, I I know we have a a lot of new listeners out there every week. You know, my brother and I do this podcast, like some of you know. I'm down in North Carolina. He's up in New York. And we record it simultaneously with one another on Skype, you know, using two different computers and some special software so that we can record simultaneously but be but in two different tracks, but talk to one another over Skype. And then we put all the tracks together after we're done. You know, so it's mm-hmm. pretty uh, pretty interesting process, just the fact that we can do it at a distant location like this. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, it's a, uh, but it is a little <coughs> easier than throwing a rock at a yowie and hitting him in the temple and killing him. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you do what you got to do in the moment. You know, oh, I don't yeah. know if you necessarily he did say that it appeared like it may be coming to him oh yeah absolutely so like the time is now you oh, do he was defending you-, you know the way it's written he was defending himself he wasn't hunting right you know. and he also said that it may have been going for the dog well yeah it scared the dog first yeah if you recall yeah yeah and who knows it may have been trying to get the dog for a little uh snack 100 percent yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, man, that is that is really a, a, a one for the records as far I as I'm concerned. I think it's super cool. Yeah. Well, keep up the hunt, bro. I mean, you're good at finding things that are interesting. And by the way, folks, again, hearkening back to new listeners, our first segment is called Cryptids in the News and Other Oddities. Uh, Of course, we favor things that lead towards the hairy man, Bigfoot terror in the woods. Uh, But there's a lot of strange goings on out there that uh, my brother investigates and we bring to the light of day. Are they true? We don't know. But in most cases, there are witnesses, uh, albeit many times, many witnesses. And you have to say to yourself, well... Is everybody lying? I don't think so. And uh, hence, we bring these things to the podcast for your listening. And you make your own judgment call. And then in the middle of the podcast, uh, I usually do a Bigfoot encounter. 
and and or something else very interesting if it's brought to my attention. And then we generally end up with mail from our listeners, people like you. So if you want to get in touch with us, go to our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Click on the contact button and tell us what you've seen or just that you like the show. Yeah, or that you know something about this story for our fans that are down under and they're like, oh, yeah, the famous Arthur Marin story. Yeah, amazing. And there's got to be some people uh, who are listening who do know something about that. Oh, no doubt about it. Or heard heard about it from their great-grandpappy or whatever, you know? Yeah. But uh, we may come up with other sightings from the areas mentioned in that story, which yeah. would link that sighting coming forward to, you know, future... Uh, clan members of that Yeti or Bigfoot, whatever you want to go. Interesting, too, how they use the word hairy man again. I know. that's. I thought that was super cool. 129 years ago, they're talking about the hairy man. Yeah. They didn't say yaoi, so. Right. Well, you're looking at something that looks like a man covered in hair. It's yep. a hairy man. Yep. No doubt about it. And that's the description before any other description had been given to it in many other locations. Yep. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Cool. So what do you got for us this week, Bill? Well, I have a pretty cool uh, story here. And actually, uh, let me just take a quick look at something here. Uh, All right. I'm just going to stick with the one account. This account is kind of brief. But we'll talk about it. It really lends itself uh, to something we've spoken about in the past, and, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. This unusual discovery was brought to my attention by Kim O'Donnell, a resident of the state of Alaska. This is what Kim, now Kim is a man, not a woman, This is what Kim and his survivalist training partner, Ivan, found while practicing their skill set in Alaska. This find, Bill, was made in 1982, which was a long time before I knew anything to speak of about the Sasquatch creature, as well as some of their reported habits. Ivan and I were honing some of our skills in the field of outdoor survival in a fairly remote area of the state. So long before Bear Grylls and uh, so many others were doing this on reality TV, there are people out there working on survival. Uh, all right, they were in a fairly remote area of the state. It wasn't entirely inaccessible, having four-wheeled it into the area where we were going and then hiking on foot the rest of the time spent. We were there for the weekend, working on finding edibles and determining a plan for survival in such an area. Both of us were ex-Air Force and used these times to keep in touch with our former training, as well as being a great form of exercise. What happened was this, which I didn't give much thought to at the time. We had hiked into an area where if it hadn't been for the finding of an animal trail, we wouldn't have gone. About two miles or so following this trail, we came upon what was an old wrecked plane. Now, I'm not an aviation expert in any sense of the word, but the craft appeared to be from, say, the 50s or perhaps even the 40s. This bird had been apparently laying out there for decades with weeds and brush having taken over the fuselage 
or what was left of it. The entire plane had been stripped of anything valuable, with all of the mechanical parts, including gauges, landing gear, and the engines being gone. Even the seats had been removed at some point in time. It seemed to me as being a plane capable of carrying, say, four to six persons in the cabin, being fairly wide and accommodating in that regard. We had stumbled upon just one of the many planes that have gone down in this state over the years that were found after the fact, having no visible human remains and having been stripped clean of anything of value. Now, here's the odd part, Bill, and why I had contacted you. From the looks of the plane, it had gone in fairly hard, nose first through the trees and brush. Whatever had been there at the time of the impact. The rear door, however, was missing, and its framework seemed to have been enlarged forcibly. In other words, this somewhat oblong or squarish opening in the fuselage had been pulled outward and widened forcibly. There were no cuts to the metalwork or any damage, as would have been the case had a tool such as the jaws of life or anything mechanical been used. And here's the real kicker. Aside from some bushes growing through the body of the plane, the entire inside was filled with matted down boughs and branches, and it stunk. The interior smelled like feces, and yet there was no feces visible. What we were seeing, to me, seemed to be a bed or a giant nest of some sort, extending for about 10 or 12 feet within the body of the plane, virtually the entire usable interior space. As I said, I did not know at the time about Sasquatch and what they do or do not do. I simply stumbled upon what I just described to you. I do believe now that something was taking advantage of the plane's usable framework as a basis for a hut or a resting spot. And since none of the area's animal population, to my knowledge, would do such a thing, what else could it have been? This is the question that I pose to you, Bill, and your readers. What do you think it could have been, Kev? That's pretty cool, Bill. I, uh, you know, I don't think it was a paramedic with the jaws, jaws of life. <laughs> out, out in the <clears> middle of, been of the Alaska. Jaws of death. <laughs> Not to mention, if it was from the 50s and, or 40s, no, nothing like that was available no, at that time. No. I mean, no, and not out there in the middle of nowhere, too, even today. Right. You know? I mean, if anybody had made it to you out there, they would have just been concerned about getting the body out. You know, or, or yeah, if you were I mean, all, it's so rural up there, Bill. I mean, yeah. it's not, not the same at all as, you know, the, the more, uh, you know, whatever you want to say, a civilized world that we live in. Yeah, even now. I mean, if you went down up there uh, 50, 60 years ago, it was like going into the Amazon. Well, I told you it was amazing. You know, like when we were up there a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic on uh, holiday up in the rural part of the state, we were talking to some folks and we were amazed at how hard it was to get around. You know, basically, uh, now we were trying to get out to the... uh, unexplored places so we were prepared to go in float planes and bush planes and stuff like that but folks were saying that even the capital of Juneau, alaska you can only get there by boat or uh, float plane there's no roads 
It's unbelievable, huh? It's the capital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and that type of stuff really lends itself to my philosophy uh, relative to Bigfoot in general. That your average Joe or Jane, like out here in Suffolk County or Nassau County, cannot relate in the least to what 99% of the rest of the globe is like to navigate. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're going into the Smith Haven Mall Christmas shopping with their iPhone and just like thinking like, Bigfoot, how could Bigfoot be out there? <laughs> you know, what a macaroon. What a maroon. <laughs> But there is so much real estate out there to get lost in that it's very easy for these critics to get around. Now, let's jump over to our friend Jerry, uh, who I talk to regularly. Jerry's a former airline pilot. I won't tell you who he worked for. Uh, I don't really have the liberty of doing so. Uh, Jerry was the fellow who had flown over a small clan of Bigfoot walking on uh, uh, the glacier Mm. in Alaska. Mm. And he's a smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. He's into a lot of different stuff, former airline pilot. And you know something? If he tells me he saw this, he saw it. And this... Nest, apparent nest or bedding space or resting area in this fuselage is right up there in the neighborhood somewhere. I know Alaska is a big place, but uh, he saw a, a little clan of them walking. He wasn't talking about one. It was like a little unit, a family unit. So all in the same area, you know. Very bizarre, man. There's there's stuff going on out there. Nah, that's wild, Bill. Yep. And uh, these guys, uh, interestingly, though, when I had done this interview, uh, I hadn't had the survival training map in my hands at that point. Uh, It would have been nice since he was, uh, Kim was ex-Air Force. Uh, They were practicing or honing their survival skills. But that doesn't mean they had any in the Air Force. Like, this could have just been a hobby. Right. But it would have been nice to uh, ask Kim if he had sat in on any uh, meetings up in uh, 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 Washington State (laughs) (laughs) with the hairy man on the map. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, What do you make of that, Kev? You know, the the fuselage down, crashed out out in the wilderness. And all of this boughs and branches being stuffed in there. I really don't think anything else would have filled the plane like that. I don't think. Not naturally, that's for sure. And if somebody was out there, I mean, unless they were just trying to stay warm, you know, somebody else is coming along. I don't know. It's weird, though. Not bending up the fuselage, too. Yeah, and also, uh, he said it smelled like crap. Well, yeah. And there was no, like, piles of crap in there, like something had gone in there to uh, take care of business and left it behind. You would have seen something. Yeah. You would think. I would think. Just a stinky, hairy man. Yeah, just a stinky old bugger. With some stank. (laughs) (laughs) Some good old stank. Yeah, stank. (laughs) So that's it, man. I mean, uh, another evidential find that kind of challenges us to say, what if? Or what is it? Yeah. You know, my mind kind of leans in the direction that all of these little evidential things, footprints, the smashed chickens we were talking about, chicken parts, uh, footprints, you know, come on, man. You know, circumstantial evidence is just that, but come on, you, you start piling it up. There's something going on there oh, besides yeah. the sightings. Some high strangeness, for sure. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, one of our listeners, 
sent me a video. Uh, I would have forwarded it to you, but we've already talked about it. Remember that video we saw of the swamp ape tearing apart the trunk of that oh, tree? Yeah. Well, he sent it to me, like, you know, and I'm glad he did, like we never have known about it, you know. Yeah, that's okay. But I was putting eyes on that thing again. That was an incredible encounter that guy had. Yeah. And again, when he bolted out of there with the camera, uh, the iPhone or whatever he was carrying, man, that guy was scared. <laughs> yeah, he started running, which you got to give him credit. Yeah. Time to get out of Dodge. Yeah, not, not a good time to be brave when you're in the middle of the swamp. Yeah, no, that thing. thing was like eight feet tall. Yeah, it was ripping lumber out of that tree. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a freaking monster. No, but that wasn't real. Somebody put a costume on that just happened to be as big as Andre the Giant. And walking around in the swamp in Florida. Yeah, like, with the cotton mouths and, you know, anything else. Gators, everything else. Yeah, he just took a walk in there. Yeah, why not? All right. How do I look from here? I'm going to start ripping the tree apart. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm rolling. <laughs> it's, so, it's so stupid uh, that it's comical, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, that, uh, is, that is a good account, Bill. Yeah, and also that crazy account uh, from the uh, late uh, 1800s. Yeah. Uh, which was just... Uh, 129 his, years ago. That's a long time, man. Cordial manufacturer. Yeah, cordial manufacturer. Yeah, rest his soul, Mr. Arthur Marin. You know, that was only, what, 15 years after our country fought the Civil War. Mm. And he's over there, you know, having an encounter uh, with what more than likely was a freaking a Bigfoot, a hairy a man, a yowie, whatever you yowie. want to call it. Yeah. Well, okay. All right, Bill. Well, we got some great listener mail this week. Okay. Our first one comes in from Amy from Wisconsin. Yes. And she says, you've the best podcast going. I'm sorry. You have the best podcast going on the airwaves, Brothers Sheehan. <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough to spend a night camping in our national parks. <laughs> yeah. I experienced a sighting in Yellowstone, July 1997. It was at the east entrance going into Cody, and my youngest son validated what I saw on the mountainside by marveling at Chewbacca. (laughs) (laughs) It was so tall. After coming home, I got on the computer and noted another sighting at the same location in the park, uh, that two brothers chopping wood had when they encountered the smelly giant creature. Huh. One an attorney that didn't want his name out there. However, when I got back to Wisconsin, I left my experience with the BFRO group. Working with surgeons, they all believed me when I shared this story of our summer vacation looking for animals in the park. Huh. We have all been hooked on Bigfoot stories, but your podcast is the best out there. I look forward each week to your reading the letters sent to you. God bless America's hunters out there as they are the ones encountering them. Even Teddy Roosevelt wrote about them. Keep up the creepy deepy brothers. (laughs) God bless you both. Pretty cool. She said, yeah. A little encounter, a little touch of an encounter in uh, Yellowstone. Yeah, when she said the brothers, she and the, I was thinking of the brothers Grimm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can be that sometimes. <laughs> Especially around Halloween. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, once again, it just goes to show you anytime, anywhere, uh, an encounter can just come into your life. Oh, yeah. They come, they go, that's the end of it. Probably will never happen again as long as you live. And uh, whatever it is, it is. The 100%. Of t- but, you know, also, Amy, no reason to be afraid of the national parks. I mean, you know, get out there, see them. 
Yeah, probably never going to see another hairy man, but you might run into a black-eyed <laughs> child. <laughs> Looking for directions. May I borrow your telephone? Yeah. Can you give me a ride to your house? Yeah. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with this device. <laughs> Do you think we could sit somewhere and talk about it? <laughs> Nothing to worry about. <laughs> Just because I look like a white shark doesn't mean I can hurt you. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's fascinating, man. Awesome. Just fascinating to run into something like that. And uh, the kid calls it Chewbacca. Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, comparison from a little kid, right? Yeah, those maybe About seven feet tall, covered in hair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? The director of uh, Star Wars, Kev. uh, Lucas. Uh, Lucas, yeah, he obviously he had a, a, a spot in his heart for uh, either that or his uh, costume designers <laughs> uh, had a spot in their heart for the hairy man. <laughs> yeah, recommended that bugger. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Chewy, Chewy, <laughs> Chewy could be uh, you know one of the aliens that you see the Bigfoots that uh, end up coming out of a spaceship, right? Yeah, there and, you go. Uh, what did they call those uh, starfighters or whatever? Yeah, the Millennial Falcon. Millennial Falcon. Wow, that was something, man. Good stuff. Well, so what else, man? All that right, was our next one comes from Dan. He says, a few years ago, I went to East Texas to visit my sister. Mm-hmm. And, Bill, you know what's out in East Texas. Yeah, the big thicket. The big thicket. He said, along the way, I decided to try a podcast having never listened to one before. I listened to a Bigfoot encounter that turned out to be only 20 miles from my sister's house. Thinking this was a good way to get my 18-year-old nephew out of his room and into the outdoors, I convinced him and his buddy to go hike the Big Thicket National Preserve. We got there about 11 p.m. Very dark, very thick, and very creepy. Mm-hmm. However, the trail was nice and groomed and even had benches every quarter of a mile or so. Mm-hmm. When we arrived at the second bench, a huge scream came from the woods, followed by a huge tree getting knocked over. Needless to say, we started off fast down the trail, making it to the next bench, sitting and catching our breath when a huge log came flying from behind us, hitting a tree just behind the bench. Mm -hmm. This went on for over three miles till we made it to the SUV only to find giant palm prints on my side window. Mm -hmm. I did get a picture of these. Many things happened that night, too much to really write down for a non-typing guy such as myself. Love the show, Dan. Yeah, Kev, I spent about two hours on the phone with Dan the other day. And uh, quite the guy, uh, uh, he's got roots in Louisiana, uh, he's got that, he's got a little bit of that Cajun accent, you know what I mean? And, uh, and does he know the roo Well, you know, we, we were talking, and uh, this was quite a hair-raising account. Uh, he had a gun on him, too, a forty-four caliber. Well. And at one point, he shouted into the woods, like, hey, man, I'm not fooling. I got a gun, and I'm going to shoot you uh, if you don't stop doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, it was crazy. Uh, He spoke that at one time, they were shining the lights into the brush, but the brush was so thick that it was kind of mirroring the light back at them. Which really, flashlights of any kind going into thick brush are basically an, an exercise in futility. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to accomplish much, you know? Yeah. But he had tree crashing. He had screaming. 
and then he believed this thing was flanking them out of the woods. Mm. Uh, and the stump that he said briefly in there, not a stump, the log, he said he heard it come whirring over his head. Ooh. And it, it made the sound like he related it to the sound of uh, helicopter blades either slowing down or just beginning to get going. Wow. You know that thump? Yeah. And it hit the tree near where his daughter was standing. His daughter wow. was with him, too. Wow. So that was a hair-raising account. And you want to talk about uh, happenstance. He had been listening to a Bigfoot podcast and realized that, wow, this happened close to where my daughter lives and was just kind of like fascinated by the whole thing. And for whatever reason, it just got in his craw to the point where when he got there, he said, hey, basically, you know what we're doing tonight? We're going out <laughs> looking for a hairy man. We're going to put our phones down and go look for the hairy man in the big thicket. Yeah. And who knew that at that moment, hmm. acting in that fashion... He was going to have that type of encounter. Yeah, and it sounds like a very civilized trail, right? These benches every quarter mile. I mean. Well, you could drive in. Uh, apparently, uh, this area, the big thicket, maybe part of it or all of it, has access where you can get in and walk around, yeah. you know, during yeah. the daytime hike. Yeah. I don't know if you can hunt. No, but it sounds know. like a, just a regular kind of. Casual nature trail, you know. Right. That just has to be, happens to be filled with large creatures that can tear you limb from limb. Large, hairy creatures that can throw trees over your head. Yeah. And another thing that he had mentioned to me was the fact that driving around down there, you would see deer, sometimes feral hogs. You know, you would see wildlife all over the area. And when they got in there that night, he didn't see or hear anything. Oh, yeah, super quiet. So that, for me, would have been a clue uh, right from the get-go uh, that something was not right, you know. but Something might be wrong. Right. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you hear... Hey, mister, we're lost. <laughs> Can you help us get out of here? Can I borrow your telephone? <laughs> 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 well, speaking of creepy, Bill. Yeah. Our next letter comes in from Jessica. Uh-oh. And the subject is werewolf Halloween decoration. <laughs> she says, I heard you guys discussing a giant werewolf decoration you saw. And I wanted to share that my neighbors have one, too. It scared the bejeebers out of me because it's animatronic. Yeah. And I found out where they got it from. It's Home Depot of all places. <laughs> Love you in the show. And she gives the link to get the <laughs> werewolf from Home Depot. And, I mean, so you just got to go to homedepot.com and search on, get this, nine-foot animated immortal werewolf Halloween animatronic. <laughs> I mean, somebody at Home Depot's got a good sense of humor. Yeah. Nine-foot <laughs> animated immortal werewolf Halloween animatronic. Yeah. They, they had to throw to... <laughs> a mortal werewolf. It's fantastic. Oh, man. And this thing is creepy as all get out. Yeah. I might be getting one next year. <laughs> I told you the dude around the corner has one and a couple of giant skeletons. And I just said to myself, yeah, it's cool, but where are you going to put it over oh, the I rest know. Well, of the year? Does he have like those 12-foot skeletons? Yes. Yeah, I mean, a couple of my neighbors have them, and I'm like, where are you going to put that thing? It's 12 feet tall. Yeah. I mean, some <laughs> assembly required. You just bury them out in the yard. You dig them up in Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
take your tibia now and attach it to the fibula. <laughs> Make sure the knee joint is in close proximity. I swear there was only one skeleton here last year when I buried it. Yes. And this one has fur on it. Yeah. (laughs) 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 All right, Bill. Well, that's it this week with great listener mail. Great account from you from Alaska and that 129-year-old encounter with the hairy man down in Australia. Yeah, really fantastic stuff, man. And Good uh, stuff. Yeah, and folks, again, go out, buy a couple of books. Uh, I work hard on this uh, these projects like you have no idea. Kevin's working hard assembling the uh, podcast. And basically, we do all of this for nothing, but we do it because we love to do it. Yeah, we love hearing from you, too, so... You know, if you haven't given us a five-star review lately or a written review is fantastic. I mean, I sit back at night. I'll read them a couple of times a month, and I'm like, they keep me going because hearing from you and hearing your kind words, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember Kim Soupy Sales? Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a blast from the past. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, I think Soupy got pulled from the air because he was saying kiddingly to the TV set. Oh, be careful. Don't say it, Bill. All right. We don't want to get pulled from the air. Don't say it. <laughs> People can go look it up. <laughs> yeah, look that up, folks. Look that up. I don't want to be doing that editing and cutting out my brother's words. <laughs> and by the way, folks... If you should find yourself walking through the woods in Alaska, in Wales, Australia, or Yellowstone, you better remember one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs> <laughs>